you know, I try to be quiet and discreet. What do I do? Basically, you're operating it. So I hope uh, that it's not a precursor of what this message will be like, where I just drop everything. But you know, uh, here's my caveat with that. If you read the Word of God, the Word of God can do things that no preacher can do. And I woke up my normal time, which is way too early for me, uh, this Sunday when that first alarm goes off, roughly about 4 o'clock in the morning. And I just kind of said the word, Lord, get me out of the way, I need to get out of the way. Maybe I could even drop down uh, and just get out of the way. Because sometimes we get in the way of what God is going to do. In fact, uh, this, to some extent, the, the passages that we have this morning talk about how God's people kind of got in the way of what he was wanting to do. But before I jump too far in, let me just kind of remind us that Advent is about that way. I know it's a, a reminder. I know there's nothing new with that, but it's also a biblical point. Waiting puts us in line with the greats and the not-so-greats of Scripture who had to learn to wait. I, I think of it with Adam and Eve, that promise. And out of you will come a, a seed, a descendant of Eve. That will make all things right. It's my version. And they had to wait. Which descendant would it be? Or Abraham as he was called out of his country in Genesis 11 and 12. I'm taking you to a country you don't know about. That your people will be about. And your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore and the stars above. Maybe I should back up. Noah was given a blueprint for a boat. This wasn't a small canoe like what Pastor Paul has made. This was a pretty large boat. And he was told to start building and waiting for a time when the boat would be needed. How interesting. How much really all of Scripture is about waiting. In fact, in, in the Exodus story that we started our Advent journey of the light of Christmas, we started with this idea of how the, the Exodus story is pivotal to our understanding, I think, of who Christ is and what he is doing for us. Uh, God wrote this in the book of Exodus, the second book of the scriptures. See, I'm sending an angel, or it can also be a messenger. Angels are just known as messengers of God, ahead of you to guard you along the way, to bring you to the place I have prepared. They had to wait to get there. They weren't going to be there overnight. And so they had to wait. And because of their own journey, here's the interesting part, I think, about this verse is God had already prepared the place, but they had to be prepared to give what God wanted to give them. And it could have been a short time period, but it took them over 40 years. Advent is a time of waiting to be prepared. Or as our prior Mark, or we may know this 
from Isaiah 40, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Isaiah wrote these hundreds of years before the nation were to see this voice. Wilderness again. A new exodus. No wonder if you study church history, not necessarily church history, but uh, Jewish history or the time in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, every person who claimed to be a Messiah, and Ron can correct me Wednesday if I'm wrong, but I believe in my memory, everyone who claimed to be a Messiah started in the wilderness. Where there was the wilderness because they wanted to fulfill the words of Isaiah 40. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the desert. This is why a whole group of people called the Essenes, the Qumran community, lived in the desert, in the wilderness, to try to fulfill this verse. No wonder we see Jesus will spend time in the wilderness. No wonder we will see him fulfilling it not just in a literal way, but in every single way possible, so the people of God would get it. And then the final words from the way the Old Testament reads for you and I. We read these out of Malachi. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of their parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Earlier, just a few words earlier, we read in Malachi a very similar thing to Isaiah, where he talks about the prophets. I will send my messenger, Malachi 3, 1, who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you desire, will come says the Lord Almighty. Advent is about waiting. 400 years, as you may have heard me say before, between the last words of Malachi until anything else would come about. A whole lot of waiting. But see, Advent isn't just about waiting. Advent is about God finishing what has already been started. See, we read in the very first pages of Mark, and I, I, I picked this intentionally. Mark picks up this, these prophecies from Malachi, from Isaiah, from Deuteronomy, and kind of pushes them all together as was the uh, way you did it back then. And he, and he just said, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. But he's not trying to, no one would have read that and said, this is where the story begins. They would have realized this is just a new chapter in the story that God has started to write many, many, many decades ago. And he's going to break in real quick with who this Jesus is. He's the Son of God. And he's breaking in suddenly. In fact, one of the important words, or favorite words of Mark, is the word immediately. 
I mean, you read your mark and it's immediately this, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then this. And you get to the time of the Holy Week, the Passion Week of Easter, and all of a sudden, he immediately falls off the radar screen. And he says, now watch. So it all This passage in Mark may not be one of your Christmas passages because we don't read anything of the birth of Jesus. We don't read anything of how he came to be. It's not that Mark is uninterested. But what Mark wants us to see is that he is, he's always been there. So a birth story doesn't really fit if you've always existed. That may not have been exactly Mark's point, but Mark wants us to get that this Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God is the one that was fulfilled and prophesied about from the beginning. And so watch everything he does. Take note and listen. Because people of God, this is the one you've been waiting for. Whatever God starts, he will finish. You believe that? Do you believe that whatever God starts, he will finish? No wonder Paul says in Philippians, he, not you or me, but he, meaning God, who started the work in you, will carry out unto completion. Who's doing the work? God's doing the work, and if God starts the work, he will finish it. Now, he also goes on to say, now work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We have a heart in this. But what Mark is teaching us to start with is, hey, guys, hey, Israel, hey, people of God, where the Old, Te Old Testament stopped, I'm picking it right back up. This is the next chapter in the ongoing story of God to his people. Are you ready? That's what Mark's saying. Are you ready? Because he's broken in after 400 years. I don't know, it, it's very similar to what, and I read this illustration from uh, one of my writers this week, so it's not original with me. Most of my words aren't original, unless they're poor, then they're original, I got those. Uh, but, but the others are not. You know, where it says, it, I think it was N.T. Wright, maybe, uh, who I read uh, He was talking about, have you ever waited for so long and then kind of fell asleep, and then all of a sudden were startled awake? And you know what that feels like? You're a little groggy. You're not quite sure where you are, who you are. That's why I told you. My phone is by me uh, all the time, basically, uh, so that if you're in crisis and you need me, uh, you can call at any point in time. I only ask if it's in the middle of the night or early morning. You give me five minutes. One, to figure out who you are. <coughs> Two, to figure out who I am. And three, to figure out where in the world I am. And once I can figure those things out, we're good to go. The Lord has graciously given me the ability that if I have to, I can move moving real quick, even before the death cut. Okay? But that, you know, it, but we can be drawn And Mark's trying to wake up, startle the people away. This hope, this joy that has been quote-unquote delayed is here. Now what will you do with it? And that's why the message of John the Baptist we see here. So John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out then, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now, Mark is really good at doing what I call preacher counting. Okay? So, Mark, you counted 69 this morning, right? All right, preacher count would be like 75. Why? Because that's like the next 25 up. Mark doesn't take everyone in the literal sense of everyone. He's saying a whole lot of people, but notice who these people are. These people are from Jerusalem and Judea, right there. They're God's people already. Sometimes I think we might miss this. Sometimes I think we might miss the fact that God started with his own people. The message of repentance and forgiveness wasn't for those out there. It was those of us right here. John wasn't going to Samaria, that's off limits. He wasn't going to the ends of the world, that was off limits. He was going to God's own people saying, the Old Testament message is finally here. Now what are you going to do about it? So start repenting for the forgiveness of your sins. And he was questioned, why are you even baptizing? Why are you doing this? And he said, I baptize you with water, but there's coming one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then uh, I'm, I'm flipping it around because I just am. Because after me comes one who's more powerful than I, who straps of sand and I am not worthy to sit down and untie. Or as the Gospel writer John, the fourth book of the New Testament, would say, He must increase so I can decrease. I must decrease so he can increase. I must get out of the way. The reality is, especially at Christmas, we may not want to admit this, but we need repentance and forgiveness. You know, you may go, I don't know about that. You look pretty good. Stick with me. Please, don't tune me out just yet. Don't me online. Don't just close out the browser just yet. Or put the phone down just yet. You can do that in about 10 minutes. Or if you really think I've fallen off the wagon. Here's some of the things that I think is implied here. It's implied with the other words of the Gospel of Mark and what we know. We need repentance and forgiveness because sometimes we fall asleep when. And we get startled up and we're not quite sure where we are. We get tired of waiting and we want to just give up. Malachi, those words of Malachi. One of the things Malachi said right before that is return to the law of Moses. Be faithful to the law that God has given you. And, and John's calling them right back to that same thing. Are you being faithful? Are you getting tired of waiting? Somebody be like, not really, because I'm not even there yet. And that's okay. Sometimes we need to repent and, uh, for forget and get forgiveness because sometimes we get comfortable. We get comfortable with the story of God as it's supposed to be played out. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and some of the people of the nation of Israel were very much comfortable. Why is John the Baptist as he's preparing the way for the Lord? 
Why is he telling them to repent for the forgiveness of the sin? Because in their comfortability, they will miss what God is doing. Because God is going to stretch them in ways they don't want to be stretched. You and I are the same way. We will be stretched in ways we do not want to be stretched if we're going to faithfully follow the Lord. It's going to happen. Are you too comfortable? See, even in the midst of this season, you know, I'm trying, I'm not really trying that hard. As Shannon will say, it's not too hard for me to say, no, we're not going to see political things we do. You know, I say, why not? You know? Because I understand Christmas is the time you want to sing the songs you want to sing. You want to sing those familiar carols. I have nothing wrong with that. In fact, uh, Christmas Day here, I hope you'll join us. We'll go live past at 10 a.m. We're probably not going to do anything but carols, okay? Uh, you know, uh, Christmas Eve is going to be much more traditional. But you get comfortable. And sometimes when we get comfortable, we fail to see what is really right there. We start to tune out. You know, uh, one of the great things we did yesterday as a family is we watched how many movies they do? Two? Yes, I think so. I don't know. Two? Yeah. Two. For the most part, I was on the couch right in the middle. A seat I never get, by the way. <laughs> All right. At one time, I had to get up to take a little bit of a break or to get something for one of the kids at home, and Josiah squeezed into my spot. I just looked at him, and I kind of went like that and said, Oh, you want to sit here, huh? Yeah, that was my seat. I got comfortable. I mean, I watched the movies. Now, granted, I knew the movies. I mean, Home Alone 2, I don't know how many times I did that, and Frozen, okay? Why? Because they were on back to back, okay? I've seen both of them. I got comfortable. I could have zoned out many times and not missed a thing. How often do you do this? And maybe this is what though, this is a word of warning, a word of, uh, of, uh, of encouragement for those of you who've been in the faith for a long time. You get comfortable. And you just kind of sit back. You know, one of the other things that happened yesterday is Eliana came up on my lap and says, she says, teach me about Jesus. Okay? She, she's on, uh, you know, I don't think my people are watching, but really, uh, if not many against Daniel or Josiah, if I had to guess if the Lord was going to call one of my kids into ministry, she may be in. Which is not because remember how I said don't get too comfortable, the Lord will stretch you? Yeah, he's going to stretch me through that girl. They already asked. But she's like, you just tell me more. So I asked her a couple questions. And one of my questions is how did Jesus come as a baby in the manger? Or how did Jesus come? She thought hard. She says, as a grown man. Oh, that's not right. And she was devastated this other day. She said, well, what was it? She said, well, that's the baby in the name. me, but he was God at the same time. It's like, okay. Two hours later, she comes back and she says, Dad asked me a question. I said, what question? What question about Jesus? I said, well, we don't do the same questions. She said, because you never stop learning about Jesus. 
She's going she to figure it out. She's going to preach to some of y'all. I guarantee you won't be comfortable with her. You know, but, but sometimes we get too comfortable, but sometimes we need to repent and ask for forgiveness because we think we know it. Dan prayed about it last week. We didn't mention it. This is the time of the year where we all know it. We all know the Christmas story. This, there's a second time of the year that we all know it. You want to know what that one is? Easter. I was in a group of pastors this week in ABC Ohio, and one sarcastically joked about how excited he was about Christmas. With heavy, heavy sarcasm. You want to know two of the hardest and most rainy times of year for pastors are as well. Christmas and Easter. <coughs> Why? Because we think we know it. And when we think we know it, we get comfortable. And when we get comfortable, we fail to hear the word of the Lord that is right before us because we think it's for somebody else. It's the third Sunday of Advent, and I have this awful, almost terrifying reality. I love Christmas. I really do. Don't, so don't take this wrong. I had an awful realization. I'm not even halfway through my Christmas messages yet. I've got four more for here yet to go. And I wonder every week, does anyone really listen? You say, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. I got next Sunday, the 18th. I have 3 o'clock Christmas Eve. I have 7 o'clock Christmas Eve. They're very similar, but yet they're different. Potential. And I have Christmas morning. See, most of you are like, we're almost halfway through Christmas. And I'm sitting here going, I'm not even here yet. <laughs> and then, then there's an 11 o'clock service to the Lutherans where I would try to be Joyce in this order. I would try to be my best Lutheran, but I'm a Baptist, okay? But, and, you know, and I don't have a traditional message in that service. You know, so you put that one in. I still got, my goodness, I got more to know than I've done. I'm already tired. But we think we know it. See, and here it is, as John the Baptist is preparing the way, he's trying to kick people out of their slumber, kick people out of, they think they know it. The zealots thought they knew what that meant. That means overthrow Rome. The Pharisees thought they knew what that meant. It meant a return to the Old Testament laws. The disciples thought, well, at least that means freedom as we understand freedom. And one of the reasons the nation of Israel needed to repent and to be forgiven is because they forgot the fact that God doesn't work the way they think God ought to work. Church, God doesn't work the way we think God ought to work. And sometimes we need to repent for the forgiveness of our sins. And that's where the hope of Christmas, the joy of Christmas, the light of Christmas, baby. So you want joy? Maybe you need to spend some time going, do I need to repent? Yeah, maybe of sins, of bitterness, of addiction, of, uh, of cheating somebody out. Maybe those, maybe, what about the other ones? Of perfectionism? This Christmas has to be the best and perfect. 
Jesus showed up. And he proclaimed basically the same message that John was. The time, except he said this, the time has come. John was saying the time is coming. Jesus said the time is here. God is finishing what he started in. The kingdom of God has come here. And guess what Jesus says? Repent and believe the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born of a manger. And when you do that, John says, here's the great thing. I baptize with water. I got water here. I'm not going to throw it on anybody. I'm not going to sprinkle you this morning. We know. And, and, and the question was asked, why does John baptize? John wasn't trying to say anything special necessarily happened with his baptism. Like, when we do baptism, we don't believe anything special. It's not you're saved because you were baptized. You're saved because you repented. But he says, I baptize with just water. Who cares? But the one coming after me will baptize you with spirit. See, Christ was going to do something totally unheard of to them and to us. He was going to give the spirit. If you have repented and believed the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're faithfully working that out, which is our act of worship, the faith we work out our salvation. You have the Spirit of Christ. You can do all this. You can repent. You can have joy in the midst of despair. You can have hope in the midst of darkness. You can have peace in the midst of chaos. Because it's not just a story about a baby story about God in flesh. For you and I can experience eternal life now that lasts forever. So I close with a question. Where do you need to repent to be forgiven this day? I have my own ideas on myself. But what about you? Because the story of Christmas, the story of joy, sometimes will require us to repent again and again and again. We pray with you. I would thank you for this reminder that what you start, you will finish. That you never start something and leave it alone. And that's the hope and the joy of Christmas. And that's the joy of the fact that if we are in you, we, we know you will carry on the work you need to carry on until it is completed. This day and all. So I ask, Lord, that you do that with us. Lord, help us to repent, to uh, to, to see where we need your forgiveness so that we can receive it this day. You have promised that any who repent and confess our sins, that you are faithful and you are just, and you will forgive us of our uh, sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so when we do that, may we truly be able to say, along with the song and words of the angels, 
Glory to glory. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, joy, and goodwill. And may that be true this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand as we sing this hymn? Angels will have heard of as you respond privately or as you need to this morning to this.